Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. So you can look up the words there, and, and uh, it'll show the different uh, studies that he, he did on that. Uh, but anyway, uh, as a Greek scholar and, and, and just a really, um, he does it in a very simple way. Uh, but this is a quote from him. It says, if anyone ever understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus's earthly ministry was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit from his birth. Nothing that happened to him and nothing he did was apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Moreover, When he sat down at the Father's right hand in heaven, the first thing he did was send the Holy Spirit upon the church on the day of Pentecost. And so uh, that was a quote we read last week. But uh, every stage uh, and aspect of Jesus's life was led and powered. uh, His earthly life was led and powered by the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, the question that I asked last week is if, if if the Lord Jesus Christ himself had to be anointed of the Holy Spirit um, to do the things that he did while here on the earth. And then he says, uh, listen, I'm, I'm leaving uh, the Holy Spirit with you and you're gonna go out and do the works that I did in greater. Uh, you know, the question that I asked last week was, you know, what makes us think that our lives are any different as if we uh, can kind of do uh, what we need to do apart uh, from the Holy Spirit, and I know, especially this crowd, you probably don't believe that, or you don't think that, uh, but how many times do we actually approach life um, without even the thought that, um, you know, I need the, the, the anointing, I need the power, I need the, the, uh, the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit in this situation, and what I mean by that is a lot of times what we do is by the time we, we stop and we realize, oh, I need the help of the Holy Spirit, most of the time it's because we've really kind of gotten in, into a bind. And, and yes, he will help you and that's good, but what if we led our lives from our, our, I guess we approached our lives from the aspect of before I ever even make a step, I'm gonna be in communion with the Holy Spirit, amen? And by being in communion with the Holy Spirit, I believe that I'm not gonna take 10, 15, 20, 30 steps out uh, into uh, a mess somewhere and then go, hey, help me out of this mess that I'm standing here believing that the first step that I take out this morning or this week or this year is going to be in the direction led by the Holy Spirit, amen? And that's what we're gonna kind of center in and focus in on tonight. As believers, we should and we must allow every aspect of our lives to be powered and led by the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Of course, this is Jesus talking uh, before his death, burial, and resurrection. And so he's talking about something that that would happen. The Holy Spirit would be there for us. And, and of course, we know he is here now. So uh, he was talking about today uh, and and, and the role of the the Holy Spirit in the believer's lives. He says, but uh, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, so we know that he's already come, he already has came, and it says that he will guide you in all truth. And that's why most of the time, uh, I, there's, there's very few services I ever start and there's very few services that I'll, that I'll ever not pray on my own in the back. And, and one of the prayers that I pray is Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in the truth. And the reason why is because I don't want to just uh, uh, preach 
uh, fancy words or anything like that. Now, this is the word of God. It's alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is the word of God, and it is powerful all the time. But how many of you know that there is a difference between just, just, just saying scriptures in the Bible and then actually allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in the scriptures that you need right then and there? There's a difference, Amen. And so I'm not saying that you can't get you a Bible reading plan. I think that's great. Get a Bible reading plan. We all need a Bible reading plan. Uh, but more than anything, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into what? Truth. This is the truth. And so when he leads you and guides you into truth, it'll go from you just obtaining knowledge about the word of God, which is good. You, 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 need, to, you need to do that too. Uh, but um, it'll go from just retaining knowledge about the word of God and, and memorizing scripture into actually getting revelation about it. it. It literally comes alive with you. Why? Because you are reading the Bible with the one who knows everything about it. He actually knows exactly how it's to be interpreted. And you said, that kind of just sounds like uh, a little far-fetched. No, it's, uh, the Bible actually says, that we have no need of a teacher because the teacher, the Holy One, lives on the inside of us and teaches us all things, right? And so if I didn't, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be able to stand before you and preach, even tonight, even a Wednesday night service, even if I had 10, 15 minutes, uh, you know, to, to, to preach a message. I, I, I forgot to mention this, guys, no pressure, but this Saturday, um, uh, they have a men's uh, breakfast um, here in Joaquin once a month. Uh, this month, it's at the uh, Methodist Church. Uh, me and uh, Mr. Donnie and Mr. Rennie went. I think Mr. Rennie goes quite a bit. Uh, but we went last month, and then they asked me if I would speak at it this month. So it's going to be at the Methodist Church here in Joaquin, uh, I believe at 8 o'clock. So if you guys, uh, or if, you wanna, if your husband's not here and you want to tell them, um, I'll be over there. Um, and they asked me to preach over there, so um, we'll do that. But I'm saying even something like that, I mean, it's maybe 10, 15 minutes is what they want me to do. Well, I'm not going to go in there and just just say something. I mean, you could, you could take the Bible and, and just thumb through it and stop on a page and I could probably preach from something right there, no problem. But that was just me leading and guiding myself. But if I want the men of that place uh, to get something fresh and get something from, that the Holy Spirit is breathing on, then I need to take time to spend time with the Holy Spirit and say, lead me and guide me in the truth because he knows where every single man in that place is at. He knows where you're at tonight. He knows every single person in here and exactly where your heart is at tonight. And he has the ability, if we'll let him, when they, he leads us and guides us in the truth, he has the ability to bring out things through this message tonight that will help every single one of you exactly where you are. And that's not because I'm smart, it's because he is. Amen. Because I don't know where every person is at tonight. I don't know some things about, uh, about you guys because you tell me or, or, you know, most people put it all over Facebook. So we know right where you're at, kind of. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly where you're at. And not only exactly where you're at, but exactly where you need to be. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly the word and the revelation and the word of God that's going to turn the key, that's going to unlock your, uh, your, your thought processes and your heart and everything else to get you to go the direction that you need to go. That's the power of the Holy Spirit's revelation on his word and not just preaching, uh, you know, uh, anything, any old thing you just want to preach. I mean, there's been times where, where I have wanted to preach a certain thing and 
I just knew there was just nothing on it. I mean, it's still the word of God. It's still good. People would still say, hey, that's the, that's the word. Man, that was good. But there's a difference between that and then the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to preach this right here, and I want you to preach it this way, and I want you to preach it from this angle because this right here is what is going to unlock some things that people are hungry for. Amen? And studying on your own is no different. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Amplified says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come, and the Amplified, when it, uh, if you're not familiar with what the Amplified is, I know I say this a lot, but I just want you to understand. What the Amplified is, is the Amplified is kind of like the King James Version, but they go through there and they take all the key words and they look at the, the actual meaning of the word that was translated from the Greek or the Hebrew, and they try to fit those definitions within the Scripture so that you can understand exactly what they're talking about, and you don't have to uh, try to interpret with a, an American mind what they meant back in the Greek and the Hebrew. And so in, in uh, the, the uh, New King James, it says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's what it says. But in the Amplified, when they are taking all that uh, all the language into consideration, I like the way it, it, it brings it out. It says, he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Now, this is not talking about being a fortune teller or anything like that. It's talking about being in connection uh, with the one who knows everything. Amen? And it's not that, uh, that you can go to him uh, and, and, and like, a, like a fortune teller or something like that and, and, and try to read people's minds or anything like that. That's not what that's about at all. What it is about, though, if there are things that concern you that are coming up, the Holy Spirit knows what is going to be coming down the pipe for you, and he also knows how to help you navigate that before it gets there, and, but that's gonna take us being in connection with them, and it's gonna take us being so connected to the, to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that we begin to trust and obey that still small voice, and that way when he says, I, I know you normally go left right here, but I need you to go right, you don't go, well, that doesn't make any sense, and go left anyway, right? It means that we're so in tune with him. Okay, if you said go right today, I'm gonna go right today. I'm not gonna go left today. Why? Because he knows more than me. That's why the word of God says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, trust in him, right? Acknowledge God in all of your ways. Why? Because he understands what is going on. I don't. I think that's where we get in, 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 a, um, in a bond sometimes as Christians and as the church, because the Lord, I believe that we do hear the Lord and the Lord will tell us how to do something in that particular time, in that particular moment, right there. He'll tell you how to, how, how to do that. And then from then on, we write it as doctrine and we write it as the bylaws of the church and that's just how we do it from now on. But it might just have been what he did that time. He said, well, I don't know how much I believe that. Well, go back to all the miracles that Jesus worked. There's very few, now the ones that we were allowed to, uh, to know about because there's, there's tons of them that we, we don't even know what happened. But the ones that we do know what happened, 
You know, he, 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 he spit and made, made mud with spit and dirt, and he rubbed it in a blind guy's eyes. Well, if, if it was the church that that would have happened to, uh, then they would have just made a doctrine and said the only way that blind eyes can be healed is you got to spit in dirt and rub it together and put it on people's eyes. That's what we would have done. But that's not how Jesus healed all the time, was it? Or sometimes he, he, would, he would say, you know, um, you know, you're forgiven. Pick up your bed and go, walk, uh, go, uh, and, and, and go on, you know. Your faith has made you whole. I mean, there was, there was so many different things. Well, what does that take? That takes being in connection with the Holy Spirit to know uh, what needs to happen in that time. But what we'll do is you'll say, well, the Lord told me to go left last time, so I guess we go left this time. No, he, he might need you to go right. We never put our relationship with the Holy Spirit on autopilot. We never try to predict, we never try to lock him in to exactly what he wants us to do on those day-by-day things. And that's because that's how we're going to get in trouble. That's how we're going to get in a bind. We're like, well, Lord, we just were doing what you said to do 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. Right? 20 years ago was a, I mean, I'm talking like 20 years ago. It was like the 80s. It wasn't. It was just like the 2000s. In my mind, 20 years ago is when I was a kid. It's not. It was, I was adult. But you think about that. Just 20 years ago, society was different. Church was different. Communities were different. Men and women were different. 20 years ago, I didn't know nothing about no non-binary. If you'd have told me non-binary 20 years ago, I thought you were talking computer language. It's different. The word of God is the same. But society is different. And if we just continue to do something because the Lord did tell us to do that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and it's not doctrine. I'm not talking about doctrine. If it's doctrine, if it's the word, it's the word. We're not changing that. But methods and and ways and operations, all that can change. Amen? And it's the same way with your life. That's just us as a church, but in your own personal life, you know, if, if you, you know, had a word from the Lord 20 or 30 years ago and, and you've just put the, the, uh, the Lord on autopilot since then and you've just been going one direction, listen, you know, if, if we're gonna go from here to, you know, you know uh, um, Colorado, there's a lot of turns. We can't just get out here on, you know, um, Highway 84 and just, you know, you can almost get there from there, but you're gonna have to turn at some point. Right? You're going to have to turn at some point. A lot of times we get saved and we hear something from the Lord and we just plow away and we never check back. But not only should we be checking back every 10, 15, 20 years, I'm of the opinion we should be checking back every 10, 15, 20 minutes. Amen? I'm not saying that you got to be in deep prayer in your prayer closet, although that's part of it. But in communion with the Holy Spirit, all the time. What did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that, that um, you know, you're just supposed to be on your knees at the altar for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why? Because then you wouldn't really be that productive as a person in the kingdom of God. Now, you'd pray a lot. I mean, you know, there's the work of the ministry, too. And you've got kids, and you've got uh, spouses, and, and you've got a job. You've got things to do. So he wasn't talking about that, that we lock ourselves away and we pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What he was saying is that we have to stay in a continual state of communion with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
Now you can be, I, I've, I've noticed sometimes, it, it probably, probably they, they've gotten used to it now, but I remember when my, my kids were, were little, you know, we would be going down the road and I'd just do it so much that, uh, you know, I wouldn't, not that I was ashamed of it or anything like that, but I'm just saying, uh, I, I, we'd go down the road and I'd just feel like I needed to pray and I'd just start praying, you know, under my breath or, or maybe even not under my breath and we would, we would be going down the road and all of a sudden I'd, I'd kind of just start praying and I just remember out of the corner of my eye, I could see them go, you know, like, we're not at church, what are we doing? And, you know, but we, we should be that way. We, we shouldn't turn on you know, our spirituality, you know, in the morning when we, when we say our prayers or at night when we say our prayers or when we walk in the church doors, you know, it, that, 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 uh, that switch should never be turned off. Amen? It, it should be who we are, that we are, uh, we are human beings that have been completely recreated uh, to, be, uh, to, to be born again spirits that are, are made in the image of God, that we are in connection with God because his Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And we don't turn that switch off. It's, it's just on. And I'm not saying on like you walk around and, and, and everything is super spiritual because I'm of the opinion people that try to make everything super spiritual are probably just trying to cover up a life that they're really not living. You can be a real person but also be real spiritual. Amen? And real spirituality doesn't mean that you, that you speak with, with these elaborate spiritual words and that everything is, means this or means that. What it means is, is that I am in connection with the Holy Spirit and I am doing what the, what the Lord asked me to do and I'm trying to uh, rule my life by the word of God and also listen to the instruction of the Holy Spirit on those, on those intricate details of my day, of my week, of my month, of my year. But I'm also living life and I'm not so, I don't have my head so far in the clouds that nobody can, nobody can even understand or be around me, right? Does this make any sense to you? It says, whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. This is one of the importances of staying full of the Holy Spirit, the ability to know what's coming. The Holy Spirit not only knows the past and the present truth, he also knows the future truth. So uh, last week we read where Jesus stood up during the last day uh, uh, of the feast and declared a future truth about the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit. So and that, that was uh, John 7, 30, 37 through 39. And this is where Jesus basically, he's doing that a lot. He's standing up and he's declaring things that will happen. So he don't only know what did happen, he, he, he's not only just in the present truth, but he also understands the future truth. And this is what he said concerning the future. At that time, we're living in that future now, but it says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing, so this is all talking past tense, whom those believing in him would receive. Now we're living in that future now. But it says, for the Holy Spirit is, uh, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And the Amplified says, 
from his innermost. So backing up that where it says, if anyone thirsts, um, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The Amplified says, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. Key in on that, will flow continually, continually rivers of living water. I think there's a huge need in the believer's life today for a continual flow of the Holy Spirit. Not just to turn the faucet on for a little while and then turn it back off, but it said continually from a believer's life, continually there will flow rivers of living water. I mean, think about continually. You know, over the summer uh, with the drought that we had, um, we saw things uh, dry up. And um, one of the things that was, that was really interesting um, is what happened uh, down in New Orleans. And uh, the, way they, the way New Orleans gets their drinking water is they have, um, they have pipes so far up the Mississippi River that it moves past the brackish water because the, 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 uh, the Gulf comes into um, the, uh, uh, the Mississippi River there at New Orleans and for so many miles up the river, it's brackish water. It's, it's not quite all the way salt water and it's not fresh water. And so they have these pipes um, that, that they use, but they, they have them, I don't know all the intricate details, but just simple stuff. They have it up river where it's just fully fresh water. And because of the continual flow of the Mississippi River, it keeps the salt water uh, pushed down far enough where they can have drinking water. Well, as the Mississippi River began to dry up, it did not have the power to push the brackish water out and all the salt water from the ocean got up to the point where it was where the pipes were, where they were sucking in the water for the city so they couldn't get fresh drinking water. I want you to think about that as in a believer's life. When you don't have a continual flow of the Holy Spirit coming from you, the things of the world begin to push in on you to a point where what you're drinking from is no longer fresh. Amen? What you're drinking from first begins to be brackish. It's not quite fresh, but it's not all the way salty. But more and more, if you allow the, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit to dry up in your life, the salt water, the things of the world, pushes all the way in where, where now it's, it's actually toxic to you. Because you can't drink salt water. You know, if you get stuck out in the ocean and you start drinking salt water, you will die. You can't drink it. And so as a, as a believer, sometimes I think we don't, it, it's, such a, it's such a subtle thing that begins to happen because it doesn't just go from fresh to salty. It goes fresh, brackish, salty. And so in our, in our, believe, in our, in our life, if we begin to lay off on, on the communion that we have with the Holy Spirit, then our life doesn't automatically turn salty. It starts being just a little brackish. And we're still functioning as a little brackish. But if we let that go and go and go, all of a sudden we are full-fledged taking on toxic things into our life and there's not enough flow of the Holy Spirit to push that stuff out. The great thing about it is it probably took a while for it to transition from fresh to salty. 
But if you just begin to commune with the Holy Spirit again, he's got enough power and enough flow to push that stuff right out. Amen? That's a word for somebody. So how do we access this flow? Go over to um, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. The Bible actually says, how can fresh water and bitter water come from the same well? It can't. And that's talking about the life of a believer. How can you have that fresh water, that sweet water of the Holy Spirit coming out of the same well uh, that bitter water is? It, it doesn't work. If you get bitter water coming in, the fresh water don't come out. Ephesians 5, verse 15, it says, um, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Another translation says it this way, Stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being. Keep on being filled. What does keep on being filled mean? That means over and over and over. Keep on being filled. And one thing I've learned about alcohol and its effects is they wear off. It wears off. And you have to drink again and drink again. And, and of course, I'm not, I'm not glorifying that or anything, but once you get saved and then you get baptized, that happens one time. But after that, you can come and drink over and over and over. I think a lot of times we, we do that. We get saved, we get born again. And we get baptized. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of us. And man, it's a glorious time. And then all of a sudden, we, we kind of think maybe it's just the honeymoon period has worn off, right? It's, it was like, man, it was all great when I first got saved. And, but, you know, it's just kind of that, that new wore off. And, and now we're just kind of living together or whatever. And we're just kind of in this relationship. And, and this is just what we do and, and this, that, and the other. Well, that was never, that's never been the intention of the Lord for the believer's life. It's not meant to be a, a, a one-time commitment thing. It's that you got saved, you got born into the kingdom of God, you got, you got filled with the Holy Spirit, and now it's our responsibility to come back to that relationship over and over and over again to be filled and to continue to drink from that relationship, amen? And, you, and it's, kind of, it's kind of a reverse drink because he says from, from our innermost being will flow, Right? And so it's not something that's gonna come from out here, in here, but it's someone that is in here that has a flow, that's a, there's a well, there's a wellspring of life on the inside of us, and when we access that wellspring of life, it doesn't come from out here and come into us, it's already in us, we just let it flow out of us. Amen? Is this okay? Be continually being filled. Continual rivers of living water flowing from you. So how do you drink? Verse nine, 19 says, 
speaking to one another because it says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled. So it's, it's, it's giving the reference. You know, everybody back then and everybody here now knows what it takes to be drunk with wine, right? I mean, nobody's ever gone. I know none of y'all have ever been drunk, never, never been to a party. I know, you know I'm just talking to a bunch of saints. So just pretend that you have before, maybe once. But everybody knows that you just can't go to a party or you can't go where alcohol is and just, I don't know what happened. I never went to the bar. I never opened up a, a beer. I never grabbed a whiskey. I didn't do anything. All of a sudden, I just, I just got drunk like the rest of them. I mean, you might try that lie, but that's not gonna work, right? No, you had to physically partake, right? You had to go physically partake to, to, do the, to feel the effects. Well, I believe that, that right here, Paul is trying to demonstrate to you if, if that is how that happens, that process happens. He's saying, don't do that, but instead, do not be drunk with wine, which is a dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, one of the, I'm not going to say a mistake, but I'm not choosing my words carefully. I'm just trying to find the, the right way to, to, so, so that you understand this. One of the worst ways to approach a worship service is naturally. Because a worship service is not a concert. Uh, worship service is not about hearing your favorite song. A worship service is not even about the joy that you have to sing or to play or to hear people sing or play. A worship service is about drinking. How many worship services have you been in where you never even took a sip? The worst way to approach a worship service is naturally because you will get nothing. But maybe you enjoyed the entertainment. But it's not about your entertainment. It's about two things. It's about magnifying and glorifying God first. But secondly, Paul says it's the way to drink. This is how you get filled. Let's read it again. See then... That you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So how do you drink? Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart to the Lord. I mean, that's just simple praising. That's worshiping. That's prayer. And I don't know, you know, I, I remember, I like Wednesday night because I get to tell stories. But I remember um, when I was a kid, and um, I, I, because I don't want to... Uh, you know, name certain denominations, I won't. But uh, we were a certain denomination and we went to, and when we did go to church, we went to, uh, you know, probably like 
there was like two or three different ones of that denomination. And sometimes we went to one, sometimes we went to other different times, Christmas, Easter, that kind of thing. And um, I just remember the, you know, I do remember singing in, in there. And I remember that it was like this, it was almost choreographed um, because we would just be sitting there and because we didn't go a whole lot, I, I didn't know, I didn't know when to do what. And so we would be sitting there and all of a sudden everybody would just like, I don't know what the cue was. I don't know if, if there was, a, you know, somebody, um, you know, said a, a, a special word or what. I never remember a special word. All I remember is just on cue, everybody in the congregation stood up and goes, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, sit back down. And it was like all through the service, they just did, and I'm not making fun, it just was what it was. But, it, but I just remember there was absolutely, maybe for them it was, but I remember as a kid, there absolutely being nothing spiritual about that. Even though it had great words, it was just religious action. There was no drinking in of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, I went to several other things and, and you know, we, we sang, and I enjoyed clapping and singing, my, singing songs and stuff like that, but I, but I knew nothing about the tangible presence. I knew nothing um, I guess the closest thing I felt to the presence of God up until a certain point was conviction, you know? I, I would feel conviction. I, I, I would hear salvation altar calls about, you know, you don't want to go to hell. I'm like, no, I don't want to go to hell. Um, or just convicted over, you know, that, that's it, that's it. No, I didn't really feel since the presence of the Lord just Conviction for actions. And I'm not saying that's bad, I'm just saying. But there was a day that uh, I was at my dad's for the summer and they were going to a full gospel church um, and I th probably told this story before. And, I, and it is, it is kind of comical the way I tell it, but I just, I want you to know what my mindset was as like a 14-year-old kid. And up until that point, I had probably answered several altar calls because I didn't want to go to hell. You know what I mean? And every time they give an altar call, if you walked out of here and you got in a car wreck, and, you know, do you know where you'd go? I'm like, well, I hope I do. Well, you don't need to make, you know, that, those kind. And um, I was in this service, and the church wasn't cool. And I say this not to make fun of them, but I'm saying this because you don't have to be cool. The church wasn't cool. The people weren't cool. I mean, they all dressed like from the 50s, and this was in the 90s. And wasn't very many young people. And like I said, I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you, it was not cool emotional hype where I experienced the presence of God the first time. So I'm in, this, I'm in this church, it's Sunday morning. I don't really know the songs, but I pick up on stuff pretty quick. And so I, I can't remember, I think I remember them singing maybe Look What the Lord Has Done and you know, some of those kind of you know, charismatic choruses, you know, really hand clapping stuff. And um, I didn't do it because I knew how to do it but I began to, I know now, participate in drinking from the Lord. 
Because he said, if anybody thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And I remember participating in that, you know, like I said, ignorantly, just, I guess, following the flow of of what was going on there. Because I'd been in services before, I'd sang a lot of songs before. But something was different, and I don't think it was necessarily the song as much as it was my heart. Wanting to drink from the Lord, wanting just something from the Lord. And I remember it's probably two or three songs in, and it was still just a pretty, you know, hand clapping song. I had my eyes closed, and the only way I know how to describe it was my hands were were still clapping. I think my mouth my mouth was probably still saying the words that they were doing, but my eyes were closed, and it was almost like my mouth kept doing the same thing, my hands kept doing the same thing, but it was like me, the real me, my the spirit that is me, when I pass away, the part of me that is going to be forever, that part of me was almost drawn back. And it was like the, the room, you know, like, like all the noise kind of went to like a muffled, almost like if you were in this room where music was being played and then you went into a back room. I could still hear it, but it was muffled. And I did not see the Lord, so I'm not gonna tell you I saw Jesus, But I just knew he stepped up in my heart right then. And I had said many altar calls before. But this particular moment, I'm clapping, I'm singing, but I'm just, it's like I got just drawn back. And I know that that was the day. They all say that there's a, you know, there's an age of accountability. And I think it's different for different people, but it's all around about the same time. But I I know at that time, that was the first time that Jesus himself said to me, this is exactly, I, I still hear it. He said, can I move into your heart today? And I remember the feeling that I had was, I, I thought you were already here. But yes, yes. And I guess it was so evident in the spirit what had happened to me because after that service, the pastor's wife, she was the organ player, she came straight to me after service. She didn't ask me, do you want to get saved? I didn't answer an altar call. She didn't really know me that well. She knew my my, uh, parents. But she came straight to me and she said, son, do you want to get baptized this evening? And I said, yes, ma'am. She never asked me if I was saved. She knew something happened right then. And from that moment on, that's why I'm not saying that I haven't squandered a time of worship or a time of prayer or a time of praise. We all get into areas in our our mind where we're just distracted and things like that. But there's not been very many. And the reason why is because at at an early age of 14 years old and and then it it was further uh, I guess, solidified on in 17, 18, and then 19 and, and different things when I actually began to go to a church that knew, understood the value of praise and worship. But there's not been very many times that I've ever squandered a time of praise and worship because I found out from an early age that you can tap into the presence of God and you can drink. 
It's not about a singing a song. It's not about whether it's too loud or too quiet. It's not whether about you like the person singing the song or you like that song. It's, it's, it's really about did you come for two things? Did you come to, first of all, magnify and glorify him? And second of all, did you come understanding and knowing that as we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs that we're actually drinking from the Lord and we're getting filled up? Amen? It's not about listening to a song that's just, man, that's powerful, and it gave me goosebumps. If it is powerful, great. It, it helps if the song is powerful. It helps if it was written uh, where there's, there's something on it, if you know what I mean. But at the same time, we have an opportunity. We could sit here and we could sing a cappella tonight, and you could drink from the Lord. You could magnify him, and you could drink from him, and you could get filled up. Amen? Am I making any sense to you whatsoever? I think so many Christians are empty because they don't know how to stay full. That's not derogatory, I'm just saying. And I've, I've not really ever thought about teaching about this before, and, and that's how I know the Lord led me onto this. And I guess the reason why I've never really taught, thought about teaching on this before, I'm not necessarily being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm talking about continually drinking like that. Because again, like I said, I discovered it at 14 years old. And I just kind of, it was a given, I thought people had, all experience that, but the, the longer I go, I, I almost see people looking confused when I talk about, you know, uh, going beyond the goosebumps because somebody really knew how to sing that song and they were really anointed to do that, but really tapping in and beginning to drink from the Lord uh, during times of praise and during times of worship. And it don't have to be in this, in this building or it doesn't have to be with people. It's good to do that, and, and I think that there's a corporate anointing that helps that, but it, this can happen anywhere you go and, and everywhere you're at. Jude 20 in the Amplified says this, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith, continually, progressively rising like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the Amplified. I'll read it again. It kind of gives a, a, big, uh, a bigger picture of what Jude was saying here. But you, beloved, Build yourself up. But you, beloved, build yourself up. How do we do this? Build yourself up on the foundations of your most holy faith. Continually, progressively, rising like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we are changed from glory to glory. And I heard somebody, one of the, one of the saddest statements I'd, I've heard in a long time from a minister that, um, that I respect, but I think it was one of those things where they got caught up in, in the naturalness of serving God and they got out of the spiritual aspect of serving God because I remember them saying, you know, I'm just kind of tired of, of these services where People are saying we're, we're going up a level or a next level or, or hey, uh, the Lord's gonna do something greater in your life today than he did the other day. He's like, you know what? That's just, you know, I've been waiting on, on that next level for, you know, 20 years. And I'm thinking, I think if you probably went back to who you were 20 years ago, I hope that if you've been serving God for 20 years that you can see at least the progression. Amen may not be perfect because we're not perfect, but at least a progression to where you are building yourself up on your most holy faith, continually, progressively, rising like an edifice higher and higher. 
that you're being changed from glory to glory, that your mind's being renewed by the word. Why? Because that's the desire of the Lord. And if we never, if, and, and what he was really telling me was, is I am tired of pursuing it. Really, he began to look at times of worship, times of praise together, services together, extended meetings and things like that. He began to see that like, a, like the carrot in front of the donkey's nose, that you're never going to reach it. And my thought is, what if it is a carrot in front of the donkey's nose? What, I'm still moving forward, and one day, when I see him, I shall be like him. This side of glory, no. We'll never obtain it. But it shouldn't keep us from progressing. Amen? It shouldn't keep us from, from, from stopping to seek higher places in God because we're never going to achieve what we're looking for this side of glory. But the, pro, the, the, the great thing about it is we have a hope and we know that it's not like we're gonna be, we're, we're chasing the presence of God and then all of a sudden uh, we're not gonna uh, obtain our reward, no. Matter of fact, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of the reward. Meaning that he is the part that we get to have right here as a guarantee, as a seal, as, as something that God's saying, hey, you can believe me, you can trust me that what I say is true about when you leave your body or when you leave this earth, that where you're going and who you're gonna be and who we are and the way that I'm going to prove that to you is I'm gonna send a guarantee in the Holy Spirit. And you're gonna get to live and dwell with the Holy Spirit, not just around you, but in you. Amen? You know, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he did everything that he did for the Lord because he was filled with the Spirit. Go back to Peter before he was filled with the Spirit. Before the day of Pentecost. He was not the Peter that he ended up being. The Peter before the filling was running from a little girl saying he didn't know who Jesus was. Peter, after the day of Pentecost, was the one to first stand up and preach the first message of the New Covenant Church. And the message that he preached was about the filling. He says, hey, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And everything from then on, he went from Peter that ran from kids asking him if he had been with Jesus to Peter who said, I'm not worthy to die. They were gonna crucify him like Jesus said, I'm not worthy to die like that. If you're gonna put me on a cross, you better hang me upside down, and they did. Paul did everything that he did because he was filled. James, John, Timothy, Titus. Most importantly, as we said in the beginning, Jesus did all that he did because he was filled. Or Jesus probably, we should say, he was, he, the Holy Spirit was he was full embodiment of it. We, we don't have the, the fullness that he had, but Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing uh, good and healing all those that were sick and oppressed by the devil. And of course, we know when he got baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And, and of course, John said that the one who sent him, meaning God, told him that the one he sees the Holy Spirit descending on He's the one that will go out and baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sometimes I, I feel like the number one problem in church today is the lack of 
us, the church, staying full. I think that just as an individual, when they don't stay full and they don't have that continual flow, just like I was talking about the Mississippi River, that they begin to have the bitterness of the world creep in and begin to get toxic, I think a church can be the same way. When a church does not have a flow, you know, the majority of us having a flow, then we, we run the risk of allowing the bitterness of the world to come in here and, and take us over. And the, to me, um, the biggest sign that there's not a flow of the Holy Spirit in a church to keep the bitterness of the world coming in is that people will begin to argue, people will begin to fight, people will begin to complain about things that don't matter, and the next thing you know, you got, you know, you got whole wars being fought in a church over things that really don't matter, right? But the greatest sign of the flow of the Holy Spirit being in a church is not that you run around the room, although, you know, I'm not gonna stop anybody if they do, Sometimes I'd like a little life. I mean, sometimes, you know, a little, a little something, a little woo-hoo or something, I don't know. But that's not the sign of it. The sign of the Holy Spirit really being here is the fact that we love each other. Not love each other like the world, but love each other like Jesus told us to love each other. Amen? And that's, that, to me, is the true sign. Uh, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. You know, we have a good God, one that never leaves us nor forsakes us, and we have a great Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. But as I said before, it is up to us to drink. And the problem with, you know, these human vehicles that, we get, that our spirit gets allowed to, to run around in is um, we burn spiritual fuel. I think another person said it like this. Uh, the problem with these earthen vessels that we live in is that they leak. You know, everywhere we go, every interaction we have, you can't, you can't just go to a good prayer meeting once a month. You can't just go to church once a week or, or however and, and, and get something and expect that to really keep you full and a continual flow coming out of you uh, because we, we leak pretty good. And if we're not leaking, then we have people taking from us. It takes a supply. You know, we, you could go right out of here and, and uh, we could have just had a great prayer service, a great worship service, and you could be filled to the brim, overflowing. And then all of a sudden you get a devastating phone call or, or you, you, know, you get somebody that, that, that does something uh, to you or, or, you know, all kinds of stuff. What does that do? That, that, that comes right out of that spiritual fuel that you have on the inside of it, and it burns it. Well, you gotta replace that, you know? One of the silliest things I've ever heard was uh, somebody was telling me about uh, their time in, in, um, in the, uh, the Gulf War, the first one, and back in the 90s, and they said that, you know, they would, uh, the, the, the American government would buy these, um, you know, these poor people out in, in the desert regions and all this stuff, they would buy them equipment to uh, build farms and, you know, all this stuff, all these tractors and stuff like that. And these guys would, 
would get them and they would use them until the tank of gas that was in them ran out and then they would just leave them parked and walk off. And they'd just be out there in the desert. Just be out there. And it was just like, well, it don't work no more. They're like, well, you gotta put gas back in it. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we get filled up and then when we burn out, we just walk away from stuff and go, well, it don't work no more. I don't know why it doesn't work. I don't know why I'm not happy anymore. I don't know why I'm not joyful anymore. I don't know why this church thing isn't working anymore. I don't know why uh, Pastor Hagen doesn't preach good anymore. I don't know why the worship team really can't do good anymore. I don't know why the, the children's church doesn't do any better or the youth church doesn't do any better. I don't know why those greeters can't greet me right. I don't know why my boss can't act right. I don't know why my employees can't act right. I don't know why my husband or wife can't act right. I don't know why my kids aren't acting right. Problem may not be all the people around you. The problem may be there's no flow in you and all the bitterness of the world is coming in. I'm preaching good. Y'all aren't amening good. This will help you. Amen? If you'll get filled and stop treating it like a, like a, like a one-shot thing, like your salvation is, and the Holy Spirit moving on the inside of you is, but we've got to drink. We have to access that. Amen? Um, a quote and a couple of scriptures, and I'll let you go. D.L. Moody said this, you might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, or breathe without lungs as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, or breathe without lungs as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll give you one scripture and I'll pray for you. Uh, John seven thirty seven. if anyone thirsts, back to our, our, our original scripture, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And so that's what I wanna, I wanna leave you with um, uh, tonight is that um, if you've just kind of noticed your, uh, your, your walk with God or whatever waning or you just go, man, I just don't know what's wrong with me or anything like that, listen, don't bypass the obvious thing. It, there may not be anything going wrong with anybody or the Lord, you know, a lot of times we'll think the Lord's far from me or anything like that. You have to access that. And we just saw in the word, how Paul said to do that, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms, that's praise, that's worship, that's prayer, uh, that's doing those things. And, and yes, in a corporate setting, but you don't have to wait until we meet again and, and, and worship together again and pray together again, but you can begin to do that. Uh, you know, if, if, if you say, I'm just not really that comfortable doing that around my family or anything like that on the way home, then, then, then good, fine. Wait until tomorrow morning when you're going to work or something like that and say, Lord, I don't really know how to do this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out in faith because the Bible says, if you'll draw near unto him, he'll draw near unto you. He says, if, he, if you will knock, that the door will be open. If you ask, you shall, what, receive, right? So in the rest of that scripture, uh, he says, now, how many of you being, uh, you know, being basically worldly parents, says evil, uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that's not exactly a great translation of that. It just means that you're imperfect and that you live in the world. How many of you, if your son, uh, you know, uh, asked for a fish, you'd give him a snake, or if he asked for uh, a loaf of bread, you'd give him a rock, or uh, asked for an egg, you'd give him a scorpion, and said, you wouldn't do that. And so uh, if, if you wouldn't do that, how much more would the Father in heaven give unto you the Holy Spirit? How much more? So when, when, you're, when you get to that place, you know, don't hesitate, don't wait days, don't wait weeks, or don't, don't wait months. 
But I would venture to say every single person in here, whether you've got the best relationship with the Holy Spirit and you, you meet with the Holy Spirit every day and you get filled up every day, I, I would venture to say that this message doesn't bypass you and it doesn't bypass me or anybody else in here. Every one of us could stand to get more full. More. That's what he says. Make a progressive building on that. So when you're, when you're going to work or, or when you get some, some time alone, wherever that time alone time is, you just say, Lord, I, you know, I, I, I want to drink from you. I want to know how to do that. And so I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I do that a lot of times. When, I, when I, I know that it's the truth of the word of God, but I'm not quite sure exactly how that goes. I say, Lord, you know, if, if I'm not doing this right, you're going to have to instruct me to do it right. But this is the only way I know, and I'm doing this in faith, and I'm doing the right heart. But I want that. I want to access that. I need that. And he's never not come through. I mean, think about yourself as you would think about your kid that was really trying. They may not be doing it all right, but you see their heart and their heart is right and they want something that is right from you, you're gonna give it. He's the same way. He'll, he'll just let him tweak you if, if, there's, if there's something that needs to be different. There's been many a times where the Lord said, okay, I, you know, I had grace and I had mercy on you in that, but, but hey, it's time for you to get in the word and really figure this out and, and now we can access this. Amen. Stand up on your feet. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.